Well, good morning, Restoration Church. Pastor Kevin here. Hey, I am so excited to be able to worship with you this morning. Uh, what an opportunity for us to continue to engage with one another online and be able to study scripture together and be able to grow in our relationship with the Lord. So I'm excited for this. One of the things I want to continue to encourage you to do during these online services is to engage with one another in the comments. Uh, whether you are watching this live or after the fact, it is so good for us to continue to try and, number one, grow within our relationship with the Lord, but also grow with one another. So make sure you're engaging in those comments in fact, to help you do that today, I was thinking, uh, here we are towards the second half of September, and this is when the Central Washington State Fair would normally be taking place. Of course, because of COVID, the fair was canceled. Uh, but why don't you do this? Why don't you share in the comments today what favorite food that you would have at the fair? What is that thing that you would always go for? Uh, deep fried something that's going to clog an artery. Uh, go ahead and interact with one another about what your favorite fair food normally is. As you're doing that, I'm excited just to, to jump in. I was thinking this week, have you ever fought with somebody over something just incredibly stupid and insignificant, just something that doesn't really matter? My wife and I, we have found that we cannot play the game of Scrabble together because undoubtedly it will end in a fight. My wife says we can't play because we're both competitive. I say we cannot play because I have a more advanced vocabulary than she does. Basically, I believe I'm a trendsetter in words. So even before words are accepted, you know, I am the one that initiating the use of those words. Whatever it is, I, I think we're both pretty competitive. So Scrabble for us, it doesn't end well. I know it's silly, but why, why, do we need, why do we fight over things like this? Why do we fight? It's because we are human. Anytime you take two human beings uh, and, and put them into a relationship, what you're doing is you're doubling the sin. You're doubling the brokenness. You're doubling the trouble. In fact, after one of our Scrabble fights, my wife, she gets down on her hands and knees and crawls to me. She's crawling to me. And she says to me, hey, Kevin, Get out from under the bed and fight like a man. I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. I think it's really funny though. The issue, the issue is not whether or not we fight. The reality is we're humans. We're going to fight. The question is how we fight. See, healthy people, they fight fair. And unhealthy, unhealthy people, they fight dirty, which means they fight below the belt. They've got jabs and uppercuts and accusations. Healthy relationships will fight for resolution. Unhealthy relationships fight to win. In fact, John Gottman is probably the, the number one researcher on marriages and spent the last 16 years studying couples as they fought, watching them and, and learning from them. And he can do this uh, at this point in his, his career. He can watch a couple fight for five minutes. Five minutes is all it takes, and he can, he can accurately predict with a 91% accuracy whether or not that marriage will survive or whether they'll end in divorce, all based on how they fight. Because it's not if we fight, it is how we fight. This morning, if you have a Bible, I invite you to open to the book of James chapter 1. We started a series last week kind of in response to COVID and how COVID has perhaps put some more stress in our relationships. In this season of quarantine and pandemic, everybody is kind of managing some more stress in their lives. People are spending more time at home. They might be working from home. They've got kids at home. They're spending more time together as a family. And that's good, but this can also 
put some testing and some stretching and pressure on even the strongest of relationships. So we started this series last week called Relationships 101, trying to provide some practical uh, uh, skills to focus on strengthening our relationships, to, to strengthen the tension that we might feel in this season of COVID. Last week, we learned that the number one thing for a healthy relationship is that we seek God first, that we put Him as the first relationship in our lives. Today, the text that Kevin read for us is James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And I'll be honest, this is two verses that were inspired by God through the Holy Spirit, through the half-brother of Jesus, James. And these two verses literally could bring healing and transform our relationships if we would learn not how to fight dirty, but how to fight fair. And so this text is going to give us three ways for us to learn how to fight fair. This is going to be a practical message, and I hope it's encouraging to you. Uh, number one, James says this. James says, let every person be quick to listen. So the first step in us fighting fair is that we are quick to listen. I mean, again, let's just be honest. If we're in an argument, um, what are we quick to do? We're quick to, to speak. We're quick to argue back. We're quick to make a point to defend ourselves. In fact, this may be one of the biggest problems in our fights and in our arguments and our disagreements because nobody's listening. Nobody's trying to understand. We are so quick to counter and to, and to defend and to push back. Where most of us in these arguments, we are trying to react instead of listening for how to respond. In fact, what, think about this. Why do you think God gave us two ears and one mouth? I, I think it's probably because we're supposed to listen twice as much as we actually speak. In fact, here's, here's what the book of Proverbs says when we are not quick to listen. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, only in expressing his opinion. See, a fool, a fool doesn't care what somebody else is saying. They're just care, caring about saying what they're thinking. They want to be heard. They want to make a point. They want to win. And scripture says when we do that, we are playing the part of a fool. And again, if we're just going to be honest, how many times in our fights and in our arguments are we playing the part of a fool because we are not quick to listen? And even the problem is, sometimes even when we listen, are we really listening in the first place? Because people, oftentimes we don't hear what somebody else says, we hear what they think they said, right? Uh, People don't hear what you say, they hear what they think you said. In fact, this happened just a couple weeks ago. My wife said something to me, and I, and I heard, at least I thought I heard, she said something very specific. And I stood on this for a couple of days, just bitter about it. And finally, we had an opportunity to talk about it, and I said, I heard you say this. And she said, I never said that. You heard what you thought you said, but I did not say that. This is why... We need to be quick to actually listen. In fact, I want to teach you a little activity that I teach premarital couples when we're going through premarital counseling. It's called active listening. And this applies to marriage relationships, but it also applies to, to other relationships. And so I'm going to use an example of a conversation between a teenager and a parent, right? So this process of, of active listening, it's very simple. One person, they're going to express a feeling. And the other person is not going to react or respond. They're just going to listen and they're going to repeat back what they heard in their own words, right? So for example, uh, there's a conversation happening between a teenager and a parent. 
And the teenager, instead of going off, instead of saying, well, you always do this, that's not fighting fair. What they're going to do is, is they're going to say, listen, I'd like you to listen for me for just a moment. They're going to address the issue in the relationship and not the person. And they're going to address how it makes them feel. So for example, the teenager would say this, listen, mom, when you raise your voice at me, it makes me feel small, afraid, wanting to shut down. And as a parent, normally, again, we want to react, we want to push back, we want to defend, but active listening says, no, we don't do that. Active listening is once somebody expresses that concern to you, you repeat what you heard in your own words. And so you will respond and say, what I hear you say is this. What I hear you say is this, that my yelling makes you afraid and wants you, makes you want to shut down the conversation instead of engaging and processing, processing through it with me. See, by doing that, you are not reacting. You are showing the other person, listen, I want to listen and hear you. That other person, they feel heard. And by doing this, it allows you in this disagreement to focus on the issue without it getting personal. And then the next step, once the first person expresses the feeling, and then you repeat back in your own words, the next step is empathy. The next step is you respond and you say, listen, I understand why you would feel that way. Listen, you don't have to agree with them for feeling that way, but you can validate their feelings. I understand why you would feel that way. And at that point, at that point, you can begin to figure out how to deal with the issue at hand. Listen, this is a, a simple activity, this, this active listening, but it has a profound impact on our relationships. It allows us to deal with the issue at hand without things getting personal, without us beginning to fight unfairly and fight dirty. And so, number one, if we're going to fight fair, we've got to stop and we've got to listen. We've got to practice this idea of active listening, where we repeat what we hear, and then we value what the other person is saying, and we choose to respond instead of react. But James continues, James says, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. See, if we're going to fight fair, number two for us is we've got to guard our words carefully. Remember when we were in elementary school and we heard that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Listen, that is a lie. That is a big, fat lie. Words have tremendous power. Our words have the power to give and to take life. And so often we are so quick to use our words to hurt. We use our words in a destructive way. And listen, it's not just couples in marriage and relationship. It happens with, with kids and, and parents and, and kids and, and friends and in the workplace. And here's the issue with words. Once we let those words out, we cannot take them back, right? Once we say those words, we can apologize about it, but we can't take those words back. Uh, I, I've done kids ministry for years, love working with kids. And one of the object lessons I would do is I was teaching a Sunday school lesson with kids on the power of words is I'd take a tube of toothpaste and, and, I'd, and I'd squeeze all the toothpaste out, toothpaste out and I'd put it there on a plate and then I'd have all the kids come forward and I'm like, I want you to take all that toothpaste and put it back in the tube. It's impossible. You can't do it. It's fun watching the kids try, but you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. And it's the same way with our words. Once we let them out, we cannot take them back. In fact, again, let's listen to the words out of uh, the wisdom out of Proverbs. 
Proverbs 21, 23 says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Man, if we could just remember that, if we could remember that, man, it would have a huge impact on our relationships and how we fight. So as you're thinking about, well, how do I, how do I guard my words carefully? Listen, there's three questions I want you to consider with your words. Three questions that are helpful, at least for me. Now, the first question is this, should it be said? Because honest, there are some things that just should not be said. In fact, I remember uh, one time uh, years ago uh, where my wife and I found out we were, she was pregnant with our fifth child. And someone else heard about this and said, hey, Kevin, you do know what causes that, right? And I'm like, yeah, I can't keep her off of me. Listen, some things are better left unsaid. But really, there are other things that are important for us not to say that just are not helpful. Anytime we say, I told you so, listen, that's that's a saying that's better left unsaid. How about this? How about when you say, well, I don't want to be rude, but then you say whatever you're going to say. Listen, when you say, I don't want to be rude, you are being rude. You are preparing yourself to be rude. It is better left not being said. And so the question is, should it be said? And if the answer is no, you're better off not saying it because you can't take those words back. Number two question you should ask yourself is, should it be said now? Now, absolutely, there are some things that should be said, but oftentimes not in the middle of a fight. See, what's common for us is when we're in the middle of a fight and a disagreement, uh, we bring up a whole list of other issues that need to be addressed. And that's good, but that does not mean they need to be addressed in the middle of a fight. When you're arguing, focus on the issue at hand and work towards resolution on that issue and not trying to bring in all these other issues. This is where we need to learn to work on a relationship in times that are good and not just in the middle of a fight. And last question you should ask yourself in terms of guarding your words is what am I about to say? Is it loving? Is it helpful? And is it gracious? I mean, let's just be honest. There are two ways to deal with issues. When you've got a problem with someone, there's two ways to do it. There's one way that's accusatory, that's bitter, that's frustrated. And there's another way that is gracious and loving and uplifting to the other person. We've probably both been on the receiving end of both of those, of those ways. Listen, is it loving and helpful and gracious? Here's a couple of verses to, to guide and help us guide how we speak. Ephesians 4 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for the building up of others to their needs. Colossians chapter 6 says, Let your words always be gracious. So, we're going to fight fair. Number one, we're going to be quick to listen. Number two, we're going to be slow to speak. And what else does James tell us? He says this, Be slow to anger. So number three, if we're going to fight fair, is we've got to be cautious with our anger. I want to be clear, like anger in itself is not wrong. Ephesians 4 says, be angry, yet do not sin. We know that Jesus had a righteous anger. But why why is James telling us to be slow to anger? The problem is, is anger quickly takes over. Anger quickly takes over and we kind of lose focus and oftentimes we just get a little bit crazy when we're angry, right? This is where we get personal with the other person. We begin to attack. We focus not on the issue at hand, but we focus on the, on the person and draw our, our attention on them. 
Again, even if you follow this progression that James is saying, he says, hey, listen, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. But if you go in that reverse order, if we get angry, everything's reversed. When we get angry, now we're not listening. We are slow to listen. We are quick to speak. And usually these words are damaging words. They're hurtful words. They're not words that are loving and gracious and going to help and build up the other person. See, when we fight and when we get angry, in the moment, our anger feels so rational. We feel like, man, I see things so clearly. We get these flow of these irrefutable arguments, these cutting insights, the clarity of thought, and we just, we, 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 we can go and follow our anger until things begin to settle down, until we calm down and we think back and say, man, why did I say that? Why did I do that? That wasn't the right way for me to handle that. In fact, there's a great example of this, of how our anger causes us to respond in irrational ways from the book of of Esther. The book of Esther, you've got King Xerxes, who's the king of the Medes and the Persians. And he throws this huge party and he asks his wife out to come out and uh, uh, make him a sandwich. Uh, This is a kid-friendly sermon here. So he asks his wife to do this and his wife refuses. And here's what Esther chapter 1 verse 12 says. The king was furious and his anger burned within him. Listen, can we just agree that when your anger is burning, it's not the right time for you to make any major decisions. But that's not what uh, King Xerxes does. He ends up removing his, his, his wife as the queen, divorces her, essentially sends her off. Fast forward to chapter 2 verse 1. Sometime later, It says, after the wrath of the king had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and his decree against her. All of a sudden, he began to regret what he had done. Again, in his anger, he was irrational. He was blind. He reacted instead of figuring out the right way to respond. And this is what anger does. This is why why James, as he says, be slow to anger in verse 19. He follows that up with verse 20 that says, The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Because rarely ever, when we're in an argument and when we're fighting, and we get angry, rarely ever do we accomplish anything that is productive, anything that is helpful in our relationships. And because anger is is such a slippery slope, listen, here's what I'm suggesting you do. Here's what I'm saying to do. When you start to get angry, when you start feeling the temperature rising, when you feel yourself getting hot and and bothered, listen, learn how to take a time out. Just, just remove yourself from the conversation. Remove yourself for a little bit. Take a time out. Go for a walk. Count to 10. Do that breathing in and out. Ah, do that breathing in and out thing. Go sing a song. Go say a prayer. Go say 15 prayers if that's what it takes. Do whatever you can. Take a time out. Remove yourself from the situation so you can calm down. And when you can calm down, when you can get back to being quick to listen and slow to speak, that is when you re-engage in that conversation and, and continue working on the issue at hand. Listen, that's number one rule if you're going to, to deal with our anger is we've got to learn to take a time out. Here's a couple other rules that I uh, borrowed from my brother-in-law, Keith, who's a pastor in Boise. Here's a couple other rules to help us in our anger. So number one is learn to take a time out. Number two, never raise your voice. Nothing good comes out of us raising our voice, ever. Nothing good comes out of it. Number three, 
Never call names. When we start name calling people, that is destructive. The only name calling you can do is your kind of uh, your your pet names. You know, like Honey Boo Boo or, or whatever it happens to be. Number number four, never get historical. Again, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of wrong. So don't go back to say, well, three years ago you did this to me and I'm still holding it against you. No, love, do never get historical. Number five, never quote the Bible or your pastor. That is using scripture in a negative way. Again, this is where should it be said now. Number six, never get physical. There's no excuse ever for crossing that line. Never get physical. So our rules, number one, uh, take a time out. Number two, never raise your voice. Number three, never call names. Number four, never get historical. Number five, never quote the Bible or your pastor. Number six, never get physical. And number seven, never say never or always. Because when you start saying those things, rarely are they true. When you say, well, you always do this, you never do that, rarely is that true. So never say never or always. Listen. As we think about this idea of fighting fair, we have to learn to be quick to listen, slow to to speak, and slow to anger. And and, and this is why it's so important if we learn to, to fight fair, because fighting is going to happen. But if we learn to fight fair, we can literally save the relationships with the people around us, the people that we love the most. And here's the problem, because when we are not fighting fair, when we begin to fight dirty and unhealthy ways, What we end up doing is we make our enemy the wrong person. We make our enemy the other person, and we think they're the one I'm trying to feed. The other person is the enemy, and we're fighting to win. But let's remember, let's remember what what, what the Apostle Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of your uncaring spouse. So you can stand against the schemes of your controlling parents. So you can stand against the schemes of your meddling in-laws, of your annoying neighbor. No, actually, Scripture doesn't say that. It says, so you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. See, let's just remember, we studied a couple weeks ago in John chapter 13 and 17, where Jesus talks about us having unity and love, and how if we would have unity and love, we would have a tremendous impact on the world. So no wonder Satan wants us to, to turn against one another. No wonder Satan wants us to launch into attack so we have fight one another and focus on that. So we isolate one another and we divide ourselves. And so Satan can get a foothold in our hearts and destroy our relationships by how we fight with one another. So so Satan can try and destroy those relationships. The relationships that are supposed to honor God, that are a gift from him, as well as impact a world. Let's not lose sight of who the enemy truly is. It is not your spouse. It is not your parent. It is Satan trying to create this divide and this tension within those relationships. This is why, as we're seeking to have healthy relationships, learning how to deal with these issues, this is why seeking God first is the foundation of, of everything for a healthy relationship. So we can stand against the schemes of Satan. 
Listen, I recognize as we have this conversation about fighting fair, I recognize for some of us, this is hard. Like if I'm just being honest and transparent, like if you saw my life, I'd be embarrassed at how many times I fail rather than succeeding at fighting fair. And if you're like me, I want to remind you of the grace of God this morning. The book of Lamentations chapter 3 says, I remember my affliction and my wanderings. My soul continually remembers it and I am bowed down within it. Man, how many of us are there? You think about fighting fair and how we fail at doing that. But then he says, but I call this to mind. I remember therefore and have hope that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. Listen, if you haven't been quick to hear, if you haven't been slow to speak and slow to anger, if you haven't been fighting fair, listen, I implore you, I implore you today to experience the grace of God that has been given to you because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen, you might have blown it again and again and again, but today you can experience forgiveness in God. You can experience His grace, His love, and His forgiveness. Today, I invite you to take that first step and saying, God, I'm sorry that I have not done this well. I I implore you, I encourage you. Today, you can experience the grace and the forgiveness of God because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. If you're in this spot and you're feeling, man, I've made a mess of my relationships. Man, that first step is for you to to seek out to God and, and, and seek His forgiveness. And maybe for you today, the second step is for you to go to those people that you've wronged, the people that you've hurt, the people that you have not been quick to listen to, the people that you've been quick to speak to and quick to anger towards. Maybe you need to go to them and seek their forgiveness as well and begin to restore those relationships. Listen, I love y'all, and I'm excited for what God is going to do as we begin to learn to process what it looks like for us to fight fair, the healing that can be found, and the transformation in our relationships. Let's pray. God, I just uh, want to pray that you help us to understand what this idea is on how we can fight fair. God, I pray that we wouldn't have this idea that if we just follow you, then we'd have no problems in our relationships. God, we're sinful people. And anytime you put sinful people in a relationship, there's going to be conflict. But God, I pray that you help us to deal with our conflict in a godly way. That we would be obedient to your word. That we would allow your word to direct and impact how we relate with one another when we're in that conflict and when we begin to fight. God, I pray for us that we would learn how to actively listen to one another. We wouldn't be so quick to react when somebody says something, but we would choose to listen. That we choose to to validate. And that we wouldn't just immediately push back and, and, and fight back. But God, give us the ability to learn how to actively listen. God, give us the ability to learn how to guard our words. God, our words are so destructive and so often. So God, I pray that you help us to protect our words, to guard our words, that we would use our words to speak words of love and grace towards one another. Words that would uplift the other person. God, I pray that you help us to be slow to anger. God, that when the anger rises, God, anger in itself is not wrong. It tells us that something is not right. But God, I pray that we, not, we would not respond in anger, God. Instead, rather, that we would learn to take a time out so we can be in control of ourselves and not just going off crazy. God, I pray 
that you would give us the ability in our, in our marriages, in our, in our child, in our relationships with our children and parents, in our relationship with our friends and our extended families and in our workplace and, and all those different places that you give us the ability to fight fair, that we would honor the other person and do what's best for them and best for us. God, I pray that today would be a day that maybe for some of us that we've struggled through this, that we would take this serious. And just today, even right now, just pray and say, God, God, I'm struggling in this regard. I don't fight fair. I fight dirty. God, I fight in ways that are wrong. God, I've got an anger problem. I pray today that we would cry out to you and acknowledge where we are, acknowledge our sin, acknowledge our fault, and that God, just as Lamentation said, that we would experience your grace and your forgiveness and your mercy because your mercy is unending. Your mercies are new every day. So Lord, I pray that you'd bring healing to our relationships today. I pray that you bring healing in the places that are broken. And Lord, I pray that you would begin to restore some relationships that are crumbling. God, that you would get the praise and that you'd get the honor because you are worthy. Jesus, we love you and praise you. And we ask this in your holy and precious and perfect name. And all God's people said, amen.